Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church podcast. Riverbend Church exists to lead all people to know, love, and live new life in Jesus Christ. We hope that you enjoy this message. Here's the thing. Ready or not, Christmas is here. Like a little bit of stress, right? A little bit of excitement, a little bit of stress. I don't know where you are, but the trees and lights are up. You know, the shopping rush is on probably, which means just you're gonna go home and get in, in Amazon at like three days before Christmas, like we normally do. And then uh, the most important thing, you know what the most important thing is in Gainesville uh, at Christmas time, right? It's the lighting of the chicken. I learned that five years, almost five years ago when we came, I was like, man, they're gonna light a chicken. And I'm a country boy, right? I'm thinking they're gonna light a chicken. We're gonna watch that joker run. I mean, I didn't know what we were doing. I had no idea what we were doing. People kept telling me, hey, they're gonna light a chicken. They're gonna light a chicken in Gainesville. So I had, you know, we had to go see the lighting of the chicken. Now here's the crazy thing. At the lighting of the chicken, you can buy baby live chickens or fried chicken legs. That's just weird, man. Come on, y'all Gainesville people that have been here forever. You think it's normal. That's weird, but it's fun anyway. It was good. And see, I, I know at Oakwood, Oakwood has their own Christmas tra- traditions. You're more normal. Gainesville, we're just weird, man. We light up chickens. And so I want to shoot you straight. I absolutely love Christmas season. I love, the, I love all of it. I love the holiday time, you know, from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And uh, as a pastor, you know, I've gotten to be a lead pastor almost for five years, going on five years now. I love it even more. And here's why. Even though a lot of people in our culture are not exactly celebrating what we celebrate, there is an openness during this time to share hope with people. There's an openness to show kindness and ultimately point people towards Christ uh, in this time because we're all sort of, you know, celebrating something or a lot of people are during this, uh, during this time of year. And so I love it more than ever before as a pastor because I love sharing. And so over the next several weeks as we kick off this new series, here's my hope. I wanna encourage the church But if you have friends that you know need hope this Christmas, I hope you'll get them here because every week I wanna share some just uh, really practical ways that we can take Christmas and apply it to our lives and it can actually help us live differently, live new life. Here's the title of our series this year. It's the most blank time of the year. And here's the greatest part about the series. You get to fill in the blank. Now, believe it or not, subconsciously or consciously, everybody actually has something already in their mind that you fill in. It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? That's what the song says. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but it could also be the most stressful time of the year too. It could also be, you know, peaceful time of the year. We know biblically speaking, peace on earth, Jesus came, peaceful time of the year, but it can also be chaotic depending on where you are in family and what you're gonna have to go through this Christmas season. It should be joyful and loving or we hope so, but but the truth is you get to fill in the blank this Christmas season. Here's what I've learned about Christmas as a pastor and really just as you know, a friend to, to people. Uh, some people have great experiences with Christmas. Like in your heart, you're kind of excited when we talk about Christmas. You know, man, I love getting together with my family and my friends and, and it's just awesome. I like it. I like gift giving. But then there are also people in the room when you, when you get to church together and you've experienced a loss at Christmas and there's pain that goes with that. Maybe it was a parent or friend, a spouse, but, but there's some kind of pain associated with it or maybe just how you grew up, Christmas wasn't something to look forward to. I just want you to know, like I'm aware, I'm not just trying to, to, to be overly optimistic about just pushing aside all of the, of the pain and going, yeah, let's just be happy. I know, I wanna, I wanna be real with you though. What Jesus has done for us at Christmas, whether we have a really good outlook or whether we really struggle through this time of year, what Christ did for us actually brings us to a place where we can all have hope and joy and peace. 
even if there is some pain in, in the midst of it, and it's because of what God did for us, it's not based on what we've been through or, or our, our family of origin, how we grew up at Christmas. It's based on, on what God gave to us at Christmas. See, here's the, here's the reality for 2022. It's a Christmas reality this year. Because God gave to us, we get to choose. We don't get to choose just because Joe says we get to choose what we put in the blank. Because of what God has given us, we get to choose. Christmas this year will either be what you accept it to be or it will be what you choose it to be. You'll just accept the path that you're on and the feelings you feel and how you were raised and if there's pain in that. Or you will say, you know what? I wanna take hold of my Christmas this year. I wanna take hold of who I am and how I'm gonna live. And as much as it is possible with me, I wanna base it, uh, my outlook on Christmas this year on what Jesus did for me at Christmas this year. So it, Christmas is a life-changing, life-changing event. Jesus Christ coming to the earth. Because God gave, we get to choose. Let me, let me paint a little picture for you of what, what I've seen happen in my own life and through the years in the church. You ever received a gift before, like a gift card? Maybe somebody gave you a, a, a card and, and they went out of their way to give you a gift card for Christmas. And you meant to use it and you meant to, to, to use it pretty soon, but, but somehow it got tucked away or stuck away and you forgot about it. It was a gift card and you're like, I'm gonna use that way later down the road, hopefully not the next Christmas when you get the Christmas stuff out, although it may or may not have happened before, but you get it out and you find that gift card and you never cashed in on it. Somebody gave you a gift and you've been holding on to it, but you never cashed in on it. That's how the church treats Christmas a lot of times. We know it's there. Thank you, Jesus, you came for us. But we cash in on Easter like Jesus, the resurrection. We cash in on that on new life, but often we don't cash in on the fact that Jesus came and what that means for us because God gave, we get to choose. We have to decide if we're gonna cash in on what Christmas means for us. And so as we jump into this, I wanna get into a prophecy today. And a prophecy is just something that was spoken before it happened in scripture. We're gonna be in the book of Isaiah in your Bible if you wanna get there, chapter nine. 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah prophesied. He said, he, he foreshadowed, he spoke exactly about what was gonna happen. But I wanna give you the title of the message today because I found it in the scripture. So you're gonna have to be careful with me when I tell you this. You know what the title is? It is the most lit time of the year. Now you can take that how you want. I know there's a million things going through everybody's mind right now. You're going, Joe, how did you know what my family's like at Christmas time? Listen, you may be thinking lit as in trees and lights, lit, you know, you may be thinking as in like Lampoon's Vacation, you know, that kind of lit. You may be thinking like excited. I love it because it's a lit time of year. And I know that it can mean a lot of other things. But let me tell you the reality found in Isaiah 9. When Jesus showed up on the scene, there was a light that came on the scene that could never be extinguished. It is a kind of lit that once you get lit in the Holy Spirit like this, once the Spirit of God comes and takes over and you understand what Jesus did at Christmas, it is a light that never goes out. And so people that had walked in spiritual darkness for many, many years, for many generations actually, all of a sudden in Isaiah, he prophesies that when Jesus comes, a light is gonna be turned on. And so literally Christmas lit the hearts of God's people and that light has never been extinguished. Now let me give you a little backstory before we read here. 
God's people, the Israelites, they had been living in disobedience as, as they had. If you read the first part of your Bible, the Old Testament, you'll find out that God loved his people. He tried, he tried to pull them to him. He gave them rules he, for their good. He gave them guidelines and they kept breaking it. And they kept falling back into their sinful ways, even though he was trying to love them. And then he would send punishment and they would come back to him. And so that's kind of a cycle in the Old Testament of the Bible. Well, once again, you find them in the time of Isaiah, they've fallen into disobedience. And, and, and God said, that's your choice. If you want to choose to walk not in my ways and not in my word, then I will allow you to do that. But I'm also going to allow you to be in spiritual darkness. I'm not going to spiritually bless you with my light. Now, here's the thing. The sun and moon and stars were working just fine. And so spiritual darkness was a darkness of the heart. Inwardly, there was a darkness. Even though everything seemed great on the outside, inside there was emptiness and void and darkness and wickedness. And not only did God allow them uh, to walk in darkness, he sent the Assyrian army to invade Israel to ultimately try to punish them, to bring them back, not to destroy them, but to bring them back to him. But Isaiah says this. He says, right now you're walking in darkness, people of God, but there's something that's coming that's gonna change not only your your, uh, your descendants, but it's gonna change the world forever. And here's what he says. You're walking in darkness, verse one of chapter nine. Though. He says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future where Galilee of the Gentiles, and this is describing a region north of Israel, uh, going out of his way to be very specific. He says, Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, it will be filled with glory. Before I got into like this, uh, you know, the, the region, there's a line there that I thought it's not really part of the message, but it's part of the scripture and I can't overlook it. You see what he says? The time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. When I read that, it was like the Lord speaking to me and saying, there are some and you've been in a dark season, you've been in a, in a, in a hard season but God's track record says this, that even when you've been in a hard season, he doesn't leave you there forever. You've been dealing with some you know, emotional stress. You've been dealing with anxiety. You've been dealing with a loss and grief and it feels like it'll never end. Well, one of the things that God's graciousness towards us is that time won't go on forever. It will pass. And so if you're in a tough season right now or Christmas is that tough season for you, I want to acknowledge it and just say, listen, we're gonna be with you through it and it won't go on forever. The Lord, I'm praying even this year, the Lord's gonna shine some light in a new area of your life to help you be lifted up. But this land literally talks about geographically, uh, Galilee of the Gentiles. You know where this is? It's where Jesus was, uh, he was born in Bethlehem, but then he lived in Nazareth. That was right in the center of Galilee of the Gentiles. He did almost all of his ministry in and around uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. So Isaiah 700 years earlier saying, hey, the light when he comes... He's gonna do all his ministry right here. The Galilee's gonna see it. The Gentiles are gonna see it. And so here's the, the prophecy. He said, for those people that have been living in darkness, those people walking in darkness, they're gonna see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine on them. And so God's saying it's dark right now, but I'm gonna light it up. And when Jesus was born, we look back and say, there was a light that had never been on the earth before. And he did his ministry right in this region. And so this is uh, something else that just affirms who Jesus was. 700 years before it happened, Isaiah wrote to the T what was gonna happen. And then we look back and we know that that prophecy was fulfilled. But before I can talk about what the light does for us and we walk through the passage, I did some Old Testament study. What does it mean to walk in spiritual darkness? 
Because it's not just in the first half of the Bible that people walk in spiritual darkness. In fact, we have lights in the room today. We have the sun outside. We have the stars and moon at night. Here's the thing. People still walk in spiritual darkness, even though Christ is here and the light is here. So what does it mean to walk in spiritual darkness? I think you have to understand that to understand what Isaiah is saying. It refers to two things. The first thing spiritual darkness refers to is evil. It refers to evil, wickedness, walking in wickedness, walking in evil. See, Isaiah here starts with the idea that there is a right and there is a wrong. There is an absolute truth. It is determined by God's guidelines, not what people thought. And so the tendency to, to, to disobey God, to give themselves over to their sinful desires, here's what Isaiah was referring to. That is spiritual darkness, AKA evil. That is wrong to do that. Now, here's the thing. Even if people got to a place where they admit, okay, I, I have evil in my heart. There is some darkness here. Our natural tendency is not to turn to God. We learn to turn to God as our knowledge of Christ comes, as the spirit works, we learn to turn to him. But you know what our natural tendency is when we realize there's wrong in us? Fix it ourselves. Every single time, hands down, like, I wanna fix it myself. Let me tell you a lie. And how do I know this lie? Because I told myself this lie and sometimes if I'm not careful, the enemy will still whisper. Look at this. Here's the lie that goes with that. If we're good enough, then we can overcome the darkness in our hearts. If I can just be a better person, how many times have I heard that as a pastor when you talk about knowing Jesus or, or are you sure that you're gonna be in heaven forever with him one day? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a good person, I'm trying to be a better person. Well, I gotta shoot this down. Without Jesus, it's only spiritual darkness. Our good works, we're actually told are like filthy rags. The good things we can do without Christ, it, 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 it can't amount to enough to ever get us right with God again. But we think sometimes, if I can just get more time, if I just need, I need, I just need to get over this addiction, I, I need to make some changes in my life, and then I'm going to overcome that darkness. Here's the thing. You can do a lot of good for yourself. This is not me saying that there isn't self-help. There's a lot of good things you and I can do for ourselves. The one thing we can never do is light up spiritual darkness in our heart. That is a God work. That's Jesus Christ. He's the only way that that can happen. So it's an offensive truth. Spirit, people that walk in spiritual darkness, I can't light it up myself. I need an external light. I need something else. There's another thing that spiritual darkness meant, though, in, in, the, in, in the time when this was written. It was this, ignorance. And that's just simply, I don't know there is a light. I mean, yeah, I admit it like I'm walking around. Maybe I do have some wrong in my heart, but, but I don't really know any better. I didn't know. Nobody ever told me. And here's the thing. It seems like that would be a great, a great excuse for like, God, I didn't know to stand before him one day and say, I didn't know. But, but here's the thing. If, you've hear, if you're hearing the gospel, if you're hearing the truth, then you stand with no excuse. God even says he reveals himself through nature so that no one can stand with an excuse that, God, I didn't know you loved me. I didn't know who you were. Even in ignorance, there's a lie that we tell ourselves. We don't automatically go, well, I don't know, so let me turn to God's word. Our natural inclination is this. It's a lie we tell ourselves. If I just know enough, then I can overcome the darkness. If I can just read, if I can get more education, more degrees, if I can get a better religion, you know what, it's my church. I need to get to a better church. I need a better teacher. I need some better people in my life. If I can know enough, I can get the darkness out. But here's the thing. This is offensive Christmas truth Isaiah is laying down here. You can't be smart enough or good enough to get yourself out of the darkness. You know what you have to have? A light. You have to have a light. You can't overcome it on your own. People personally walked in darkness 
But he also said the land was filled with darkness. I'm going to shine on the land and people won't have to walk in darkness anymore. And so what is the answer then? If we lie to ourselves and say that if I'm smart enough, good enough, if I just know enough, I can get that darkness out, what's, what's the answer? Well, here's the simple answer, Christmas. The light, which is Christ, it's on. He already came for us. You have to decide and I have to decide, will I invite that light in? Now, what is the light? I didn't put this in your notes, but if you want to write it down, I'll tell you what the light is. It's the Holy Spirit. The light of Christ is the Holy Spirit of God. We have to decide. See, you can study the Holy Spirit in the New Testament and how God moves through his spirit into our lives. He never forced his way in. He always knocks. Revelation 3 talks about the spirit, you know, kind of Jesus standing at the door knocking. That's like a knocking on the heart. He desires to help us. He desires to empower us but he won't force it. And so we have to decide like, God, I'm ready to let your light in. Until we stop pretending, we can't let the light in. So many times we wanna pretend that Jesus doesn't see all our flaws and our failures, but he does and he loves us anyway. Well, look at John 12, 46. You wanna see the fulfillment or Jesus affirming that, that him coming was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. Here's what he says. I have come as a what? Light. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me, not all who get who better themselves, not all who get knowledge of me, all who will put what? Trust in me. Make a decision. Make a decision. God, you've already given me the light. I'm going to make a decision to put my faith in you. In me will no longer remain in the dark. It is a decision to live in the light, a choice to make him the light of your life. So Isaiah was gonna uh, give us a take here on what the light would look like when it came. Now he's right, and remember, 700 years before Jesus came, he's gonna give us a snapshot of what it looks like when this light, Jesus Christ, comes on the scene. Here's what he says, verse three. He says, when this light comes, you will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. Do you know what this is, this enlarge the nation? It literally is a foreshadowing of the fact that Jesus would bring salvation not just to the Jews, but also to Gentiles, not just to those who had been God's people, like in that box of God's people in the Old Testament. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved when Jesus comes, when that light is here. And so it says he's gonna enlarge the nation and everybody will rejoice. You know why we do? Salvation is not limited. Anyone who will receive him can receive him. Anyone who invites the light in can receive the light. If the light, if God's working in your heart and you go, Jesus, I, I understand it, I, I want you. At that point, listen, he receives you. It doesn't matter what your skin color is or what your bloodline is. This is saying that the nation is gonna be enlarged to include all those who would call in the name of Jesus. So it says this, they will rejoice. The people will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, like warriors dividing the plunder. And so here's what he's getting at. If you're a farmer, by the time you get to harvest, what, what, what's happened? You've done all the hard work. The hard work is over. So when the light comes, he's saying there's going to be relief. There's going to be peace. The work will be over. When the light comes, he said it's like uh, warriors dividing the plunder. The war will be over. No more fighting for getting the spiritual darkness out. Jesus is going to come. And he says this, you will break the yoke of slavery, lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. And that just refers back to actually the story of Gideon in your Bible. If you want to go read it, it's in the book of Judges uh, where God showed up and fought for his people. He's like, look at my track record. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. And so here's what he's getting at. When the light comes, there's going to be a spiritual freedom that people have never experienced before. 
You're not going to have to sacrifice the blood of animals anymore. You're not going to have to go to the temple time after time to to atone for your sin. Jesus is going to speak peace over all of it. You're going to be able to put your faith in him and the war will be over. The fight will be over. Now, here's another thing that, you know, just for those, those maybe Bible nerds like me and you like to look at exactly what things mean. To look at this passage right here, actually, most scholars will tell you, refers to the millennium. And that's when, after Jesus comes back and he sets up his throne on the earth, he's actually gonna bring complete peace. There will be no more war. Because here's what we know, when you read this, we still have wars right now. We still have, uh, you know, government issues. Let's just leave it at that this morning. We still have a lot of pain in our world. We still have a lot of places where sin seems to be rampant and it's taking people's dignity and even their lives. So one day in the millennium, when Jesus comes back, actually all of this will be true. There will be no more war. There'll be no more need for military uniforms. We'll burn them in the fire. But in the time being, we can decide to live in the light under his lordship. We live in a broken world, but we decide to live in the kingdom. It's like, God, I'm gonna go ahead and live in your kingdom now. You're gonna be my Lord now. Now here in the prophecy is where we know that this is undeniably about Jesus' birth. Really famous passage here. Look what it says. For unto us a child is born, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Now let me give you something really interesting that I, that I found studying this. It says a child is born, a son is given. Why? That seems like repetitive, doesn't it? Okay, get on with the story. A child is born to us represents the fact that Jesus had never wrapped himself in flesh before. It was the first time ever. So a child would be born, but look what it says. The son was given, why? God the son has always existed in heaven eternally forever. So the son was not born. The son was given to us from heaven, but the child, uh, the, the son was given. The child was born to us though, because in flesh, God had never wrapped himself in flesh before. This is the first time he comes down. And then it gives us a description of him. It says he will be called, and this is not necessarily his name, uh, even though it could be, but it's his character. It says this, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Now let me take you again, a little, little Bible study here. Do you remember how sin came into the world? Satan showed up disguised as a serpent and he came to Eve and we know what he did? He counseled her against God. He counseled her to sin. He deceptively moved her to do something God said, don't ever do that. He counseled her. So what is Jesus gonna show up and do? He's gonna show up and be the perfect, wonderful counselor. Did you know that there's nothing in his word that will ever lead you astray? Did you know that his spirit will never lead you against his will for your life? His spirit will never lead you to sin. He'll always lead you to holiness and righteousness. He is our wonderful counselor. But then it says this, he is our mighty God. He was saying this baby that was gonna be born, there is no warrior or force of evil that will ever be able to overcome this little baby. Even from the time Jesus was born at his first cry, there was no amount of military power in the world that would ever overcome that child. He is mighty God from the moment he laid in the manger. It says this, he is everlasting father. He is a forever perfect father to his children. He will never lead us astray. He will never abandon us or forsake us. And there's nothing, Romans says, that can separate us from his love. He is an everlasting father. And then it says this, prince of peace. He will rule forever with peace, not war. It says this, his government and its peace will never end. 
He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And this is fast forwarding into the future as well. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make it happen. So it is a promise what we see here. So let me ask you a question this morning. If all of what I'm saying is true, let's just imagine for a moment everything that I'm saying, everything we're reading is true, that the light of Christ has come and when he comes, he wants to give us hope and joy and peace and love. Why do we push back on it? You ever thought about that? If God is working in our life, when the spirit of God starts to move in somebody's heart, why do, why do we push back? Why don't we just go, yes, Lord, come? Can I tell you why this morning? It's because of what the light does. See, light is light. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. He is light. So when his light comes, it's not selective. It is complete and whole. It is bright. It shines. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Here's what the light of Christ does in us. First, this. Light exposes the sin that's hidden. So when we pray, okay, God, let the light into my heart. Lord, I want your light to fill me completely, a.k.a. Lord, let your spirit fill me completely. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is gonna do? He's going to expose the things that you wish could stay hidden. Here is the great pushback. This is why the altar doesn't fill up. Whenever any, whenever any pastor stands in any church preaching the true gospel, saying, Jesus loves you, he died for you. Come receive him. Surrender your heart to him. Why does the altar not fill up? It's because of this. When the light starts moving, one of the first things that happens is that he exposes you. And you feel like everybody else feels it. They probably don't. It's just you internally. You're going, man, you got me. What is this? What is this feeling? But here's the thing. Not only does he expose sin that's hidden, he reveals the grace that we could not see before. It's simultaneous. It's, it's a both and thing. So I want to show you. I wanna show you today what I'm talking about. See, the light of Christ doesn't only show grace and hope and love. When the light comes on, you know what happens? He starts revealing lust. You're like, God, I feel, listen, I feel your kindness, Lord. I feel your grace, your grace is there. God starts putting his grace there, but, but here's the crazy thing, he wants to deal with your pride. This is why at Christmas we think about the light of Jesus coming in. Yes, Lord, bring it. But here's the thing. The light, it does expose or it reveals his grace and his love and his hope, but it also wants to deal with the addiction. Do you know what the light ultimately is? It's love. Dealing with the lies and the rage and the slander you've had in your heart, the secret sin, you've been holding on to it for so long you don't even think you can get free. But here you have the Holy Spirit shining his light in your heart going, hey, I wanna deal with it. Because here's the thing, he's not doing it just to bring you to shame. The enemy will try to shame you. You will try to shame yourself over all this. But when his light of love shines into your heart, what he wants to do is say, hey, let's deal with it. Let's take it away. I want you to feel my grace. The unfaithfulness in your life, let's, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. Listen, that's not who you are in me. I wanna reveal my kindness in your heart, that greed that's there. Listen, let's take it away. I want you to know my love. The slander that you've wrestled with just because that's how you were raised or you fought. Listen, I wanna take it away. I want you to have peace. The lies, the rage, the addiction. Listen, it may take a while and I wanna fight with you and for you. That secret sin that's there. And I think one of the things he deals with ultimately in our life is this, is shame. 
But I wonder if there's anybody holding back like you want grace and love and kindness, forgiveness, faith. You want that to flood your heart, but you're dealing with the shame so much and you're holding on to it, trying to cover it up, going, God, it's not really there. You can't really see it. And the Lord's saying, yes, it is there. And when my light shines, it's both in. I'm gonna expose sin and I'm also gonna reveal my grace and my, my love to you, but let's remove it. And all you have to do is invite him in. Listen, church, let me ask you a couple questions this morning. Here it is. What are you trying to hide? The light is here. Will you invite the light in? What are you trying to hide this morning? Say, will you invite the light of Jesus to shine on your heart? Do you know the, the best thing that you can do this Christmas season? The very best we're gonna be able to do as we walk through these next several weeks, you wanna get all God has for you through the Christmas season? Let him deal with you this morning. Come on, man, don't play games. I played games a long time with God too. I sat right where you did. God let me sit out there for 28 years before I became a pastor. And then he let me sit for another about 16 years before he let me stand on this platform. So sitting in church Sunday after Sunday going, man, good, good message, good message, preacher, good stuff. But does it mean anything to you? Let the light of God in. I know it's gonna expose some stuff, but he's not gonna do it just to hurt you. He wants to reveal that so that he can deal with it. But you've gotta invite him in. You can't sit there saying, God, it's really not there. It's really not there. He's going, no, if you'll just let the light shine in, I'll deal with it. What are you still trying to hide today? Pastor Michael, I'm gonna let you take it at the campus this morning. Let me read this verse to, to you. 1 John 1, look what it says. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But here, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful statements John ever made. If we confess our sin to him, aka if we'll let the light, if we'll let the light shine on it, come on in, God. Come on in, God. I know I'm messed up. I know I got stuff. Come on in. That's what confession is, just, just owning it. If we'll confess it, what does it say he's gonna do? He's gonna slap us down. He's gonna reject us. Is that what it says? No, 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 what does it say? If we will finally get real enough with God to really confess it to him, the things we don't wanna confess, the things we've been holding on to, if we'll confess it to him, what will he do? He is faithful and just to forgive. And that would be enough, right? I'm just forgiven. Now I'm gonna be able to be with God forever. But what else does it say? You see this? He will cleanse us. I just happen to think in a room this size because I know in my own heart, I need cleansing a lot of days. There's somebody here and you're going, that's me. I need cleansing. Let the light in then. Will you bow with me all over the house this morning? So listen, if you need Jesus today, you need to let the light in. Maybe for the first time, just tell him, Jesus, I'm ready for your light to come in. I'm trusting in you. I'm letting you, God, will you just come in and search me, reveal the sin, but also show me your grace. Just tell him that. If there's a specific thing, and you know what, through this message, the Holy Spirit has already started shining a light on your heart, I'm gonna ask you today, respond unashamedly with your feet. Come down here and find a place. If you're physically able, find a place in the front to come down here and just kneel and pray and let the Lord begin to deal with it. Letting the light in means I don't care who knows about it, I'm ready to go let God deal with me. We're gonna sing, but you can stay seated. But here's the thing, don't let this moment get away to where you walk out of this building not having let the light in. Invite him in today, put your faith in him. Let him deal with that broken part of you. 
so that you can truly say, Lord, I want this to be the most illuminated Christmas in my heart I've ever had, the most spiritually bright Christmas I've ever had. So God, I'm praying now that you'll give us the courage to respond because I know the enemy's already working against us responding, telling us lies about what people will think or the fact that you can't deal with it. Lord, you can, Jesus. We invite your spirit to move right now, Lord. So will you move among your people? Listen, if God is saying, there's something I wanna deal with in you today, respond with your feet, come down and let's join our hearts in prayer and honesty before the Lord and let him work today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverbend Church Podcast. To learn more about who we are as a church and how to connect, you can head over to our website, riverbendchurch.life.